Let me ask you a question this morning. Uh, how many of you are married today? Just raise your hand if you're married. Okay, a lot of married people out there today. Um, uh, how many of you, uh, specifically you guys out there, have ever found yourself caught in this situation uh, when your wife asks your opinion on how she looks? This is a dangerous thing. This, this, can, this can go... Either way, and if you've been married any amount of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When they ask the question about their look, about their looks, or they say, how do these jeans look on me? Now, this is a dangerous thing right here, because this can go real bad real quick. So I'm just going to, I'm going to give you some tips here, guys, right off the bat, uh, to make this a good Mother's Day, a good marriage. Uh, let me just start off the bat by, by saying this. Here's things not to say, okay? Because... We've all fallen into this trap. Here are things not to say. Don't say, honey, I don't care how you look. Don't, don't, don't say that because the next words out of her mouth are going to be, she's going to say, so you don't think I look good then. Okay, because that, that's not, not a good thing. Or, or please, please don't say, it's, o- it's okay, honey, you can lose weight. Don't, don't, don't say that. That's just wrong on so many levels. Just don't say that. Um, here's what you may want to say. Just say things like, you look amazing. Um, if you like it, then I like it. Uh, anything you wear is amazing. Honey, you look beautiful. Stay right in that pocket. That's a good pocket to be in uh, right there. Isn't there? There is something within each and every one of us that seems to really care about what others think. We, we may not think it as much, but we do. There is something about us in our hearts that is this driven to be accepted, to be liked, and and we all struggle with it. I'm not just talking about the ladies or men. We struggle with it also. There's there's this acceptance thing, and if we're not careful, um, we can we can allow ourselves to kind of be in this prison of of what people think about us, and and actually become this type of pleasing person that's constantly pleasing people. And if we don't get the right feedback or if we're criticized or if we're not recognized for something that we have, that we've done that hasn't recognized, it can upset us. And uh, what, what we've been looking at, what we're diving into over the next couple of months is we're looking into the book of Galatians and we're looking at how Christ sets us free because Jesus said this, if, if he sets us free, then truly we are free. And there are things in our life that just trap us in this prison. Last week we talked about the prison of religion. Um, we're going we're gonna to be talking about the prison of, of trying to be good enough. Um, these are all things that Paul wrote to this church in, 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 in Galatia. He's saying, listen, when you're free in Christ, you are free indeed. How do we live with the joy and the freedom that Christ wants us to live in. So we're taking this close look at how Christ sets us free and how we can truly live in obedience to God that's not based on this performance, not based on just am I keeping all the rules. So we're digging into this letter that Paul wrote to a group of Christians who were at risk of trying to gain God's acceptance by bypassing 
the grace of God, by adding to the grace of God by the things that they did. And there was these false teachers that came in. And what they said is, listen, um, yeah, you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That, that's important. But you have to do A, B, and C also in order to truly be a Christian. So Paul writes this letter to warn the church about these false teachers who were corrupting the message of God's grace by saying that there was more you had to do in order to be accepted by God. So Paul writes to the churches in Galatia, which uh, is in modern day Turkey. And what these false teachers were basically saying was this, in order to truly be made right before God, in order to truly be made right before God, you had to make sure that you had to follow these certain laws. And so what Paul is saying, no, 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 no. It's only by God's grace that you're made right with God. It's not by your works. It's not by your goodness. It's not if, if, if you went to church your whole life or just going to church doesn't save you. I, I heard this story about this man whose daughter, they raised her in the church and um, they thought they were doing a good job. And then she went to college and they were very sad to hear that she just kind of walked away from her faith. And this is what the father said, I quote. The father said this, he goes, we raised her in church, but we didn't raise her in Christ. See, here's the thing. Here's what Paul is being very careful as he writes to these churches in Galatia. He's saying, listen, Your works and trying to be religious is going to be a dangerous thing if that's what you base your relationship on Christ with. If you're going to bypass grace, it's going to be a dangerous thing. Because how many know we can act, look, and smell like a Christian, right? And But not really know Christ. We can go through these religious motions, but not really know him and find the grace and freedom that Jesus desires to give to us. We, we can grow up in this kind of churchy, church, church mindset. Um, that's how I was raised. This is what we did. But we really didn't teach our children to have a faith on their own apart from their parents. So Paul is really concerned here about those who came to Christ by faith are now being influenced by those who are saying, listen, you need to do more in order to truly be a follower of Jesus Christ, to truly be saved in Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand something here. Paul, Paul isn't very well liked in these cities. He's traveling through in Galatia as he started many of these churches. And in fact, in one city, he was just left for dead. And then the very cities who didn't want him, Paul goes back to encourage those churches. So he was under a lot of persecution. And Paul encourages them not to go back to this prison of religion. Don't go back to trying to please people. Don't go back to these works that only glorify yourself. So Paul tells them, listen, the gospel that I preached to you was from God. His motives weren't to please men. And I want us to listen to what Paul is saying here as he writes the beginning of this letter to these churches to be very concerned about these false teachers and don't listen to them because the gospel that I gave you, the teachings I gave you were directly from Jesus himself. Any other teachings that divert from these teachings that I've given you, may these people be, be cursed. Don't listen to them because it will shipwreck your faith so quickly. So I want to dive into God's word. You, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there or look up at the screens, or if you've got those on your phone, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 1, and I want to specifically look at verses 10 through 24 um, this morning. And so let's, let's look at God, 
God's word this morning. Let's see what Paul is saying here to warn them against trying to please people and, and, and trying to please God apart from his grace. Verse 10 says, Paul says, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, then I would not be a servant of Christ. So Paul does not care if his words please men or not. He's here to please God. That's, that's who he's put his trust in. He wants to make sure that he's honoring God. And so then Paul explains his call by God so that he separates himself from these false teachers and what they're teaching. Paul says, here was my call from God. This was directly from Christ himself. And he says in verse 11, he goes, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel, Jesus dying for your sins by his grace, God's grace that he saves us through faith. He goes, this message, this good news I preach to you is not something that is man made up. I, the, man didn't make this up. I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received the revelation from Jesus Christ himself. That's pretty good authority, wouldn't you all say? If you got it from Jesus, I don't think I'm going to argue with it. So Paul says, here's my authority. I, 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 I received it directly from Christ. Verse 13. And if you heard my previous ways of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and how I tried to destroy it. I was advancing Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, called me by what? Called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son so that I might preach it among the Gentiles. I did not consult any man, nor did I go, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those, uh, those who were apostles before me. And I was immediately in Arabia and later to Damascus. He says, then for three years, so he's not getting this from any apostles, anyone else. This is directly from Christ himself. And this is after three years, I went to Jerusalem. And I acquired with, with Peter, one of the apostles, and stayed with him for 15 days. And I saw no other apostle, only James, the Lord's brother. And I assure you that God, uh, that I'm writing to you is no lie. He says, later I went to Syria, Cecilia, and personally, and I was personally unknown to those churches in, in Judea that are, that are in Christ. And that I only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching faith that he once tried to destroy and they praised God because of me. See, Paul is saying, listen, I, I try to destroy the very work of the early church, but because of the message that was directly given to Jesus Christ, this was the gospel message that I was given to share with you. So here's what's going on. What is going on here? What's going on here is Paul is at odd odds with those who are trying to control others through works. And that's exactly what religion does. It's keeping rules. It's list keeping. How do I look righteous by what I'm doing? And this is what Paul says. I've been there and I've done that. I've done the whole religious thing. I tried to please men. I tried to one up everybody else. 
uh, through my Judaism and how well I did everything. I try to one everybody up. And Paul says that I was the best at rule keeping. I was zealous to the point of persecuting anyone who was a follower of Jesus Christ. Now are there those that are coming within the ranks of the church that are trying to drag you away from the very grace of God that saved you, the purity of the gospel message. So Paul says this. Paul realizes that trying to be righteous by keeping the law doesn't work. Paul already tried it. He was the best at keeping all the rules and the law of God, but it didn't work. In fact, it just made him self-righteous to the point to where he killed anybody else or or tried to uh, destroy the church of God who was trying to uh, promote what Jesus was doing and how Jesus is the only one that can change lives. So Paul tells them that he was called by God's grace and that Jesus revealed himself to him. And this is exactly what changed his life. Paul reiterates to his listeners that the message he received was directly from God, not man. So Paul understood that his righteousness could not come through rule keeping. His righteousness could only come through Christ. Jesus does for us what the law could never do. And that was to save us. So the law, the purpose of all these rules was this reason. The law could only point to our sin. We could never perfectly keep the law. And I think that's why so many people struggle, maybe with their Christianity, is they're like, it just seems, Pastor Barn, like it's just a bunch of rules. It's just a bunch of things that I've got to follow. And then if I don't follow them exactly the right way, it seems like I just fail miserably and I just feel like giving up. And it's just, it's just, I I see it as as pointless. Um, But if you really understand God's grace and what he saves us from, he's not expecting us to be perfect. If that were the case, we'd all be instant failures. What he's expecting us to do is to fall in his grace and his mercy, who Christ was perfect. And he completes the law for you and I that we couldn't complete for ourselves. And that's why I think many have this misunderstanding of Christianity. I have to do this, that, and the other, and, and then we simply give up and we feel like failures. And for some, it may be the opposite. They may feel like, well, Christianity fits me because I don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do. And so this kind of fits me, right? A, a, a very moral type of, of life. I live a very moral life, so I can kind of s- slide into Christianity because my life is kind of moral. And I don't do a lot of, quote-unquote, bad things. So I can kind of fit this Christianity kind of fits me. I like keeping rules. I like judging others who, who don't keep the rules, And for these religious people, it gave them an opportunity to feel superior and in control. And this is what Paul is coming against. So Jesus just, he didn't come for people who thought they were good, who could keep all the rules. In fact, Jesus came and he just really upset the apple cart. Because he comes into this atmosphere where all these Pharisees are keeping all these rules. They have rules upon rules upon rules, the way they look, the way they dress, the way they eat. And all of a sudden Jesus comes and kind of upsets the apple cart. He kind of flips it over. And they don't like Jesus because what Jesus ends up doing is he ends up peering into their hearts. He says, yeah, you look pretty religious on the outside, but in the inside, you're not. You're, you're, you're not. You are so far away from God. You're not really trying to please him. You're trying to please people by what you do in your rule keeping, by how you look and the things you do and don't do. You're, just, you're not doing it for God. You're doing it for other people. Because you want to be seen for how righteous you look and how good you can keep all the rules. And Jesus exposed that. And of course, people aren't going to like that. And so, so Jesus, he comes in, he just kind of upsets the apple cart. Um, I heard this really interesting story. Um, there was a, 
uh, a gentleman who said his dad w- was a pastor and he remembers growing up in their church as a pastor's kid. And he said it was during the late 60s, 60s when, you know, the hippie, you know, you had the, the, the hippie revolution and, you know, the 60s. And some of you that lived through the 60s, you don't remember the 60s, but it did happen. Okay. Um, and he, he remembers that... Um, you know, their church, you know, everybody wore suits and ties and dresses, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was just everybody look good when they came out in a church. And he goes, during this time, there's, there's this movement among hippies that, that just, it, it was a Jesus movement where they all started coming to Christ. And so they started meeting together and they said, well, we probably need to get locked into a church. We probably need to go to church. So there's this group of all these hippies that came into this local body of believers. And they come walking in their bare feet. And they're hippie clothes, and they're like, I don't know if we really like chairs. We're just going to kind of sit on the floor. So you got all these hippies coming in and bare feet and just kind of sitting on the floor. And it kind of, kind of upset the chair. Like, well, what are we going to do? And now, all these, they're all believers, but what are we going to do? In fact, for those of you that maybe you're a part of the Calvary Chapel movement or know Calvary Chapel churches, that's really how that whole church got started was through that movement in the 60s of opening their doors and accepting people who weren't like everybody else or didn't dress like everybody else, right? And I love this one story where the church was so upset and there's this one deacon in the church. He says, you know what? They love Jesus just like we do. Are are they going to have to form fit to everything that we look just because maybe we dress different? And there was one deacon, he says, so one Sunday they're all sitting on the floor and he went down and he sat with them during worship. You see... I think we need to be very careful about how we judge on the outside because many times we have to say, wait, 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 wait. I got to check my motives here. Am I just trying to please people or am I really? See, for these hippies, they weren't, they weren't trying to please anybody else. They just wanted to come and love, love on Jesus and worship him with other believers. See, Luke 5.32 says this. It says, I've come to call those who do not think that they're righteous but those that know that they are sinners and need to repent. That's who Jesus came for. See, this is where Paul, this is where, this is where we get in trouble. And this is where Paul really tries to straighten things out here. And this is where he made the mistake before he came to Christ, because he thought the more zealous he was for his Judaism, the more righteous and godly he was. But in fact, it was just the opposite. And this is where it can get real tricky because we can say, we, we can say, is my walk with God more about pleasing others or is it about pleasing God? And is, is what I do for God more about how it makes me look or about giving glory to God? You see, when, when my kids mess up, I've got to catch myself because is it, is it really more about how it makes me look in front of others or is it more about um, I, need to, I need to care and love my kids because they need to be corrected. Or am I more embarrassed about how it's going to make me look? Do I feel worried and judged by others? Or are we more concerned with helping our children and correcting them? That, that becomes a hard thing. So, so here's the thing. Let me, let me give you a little people-pleasing assessment. Because this is a good, just a good exercise that we can take together about making sure that our motives are pure here. Here's a good people-pleasing assessment. Am I overly concerned with what others think and their opinion of me? Am I overly concerned with what others think and their opinion of me? This can be a dangerous prison that we live our lives in. When someone has a different opinion than us, how do we react to their opinion that isn't like ours? Do we get 
defensive? Do we get argumentative? What happens there? So am I overly concerned with what those people think? Do I have trouble saying no? Do I have trouble saying no? So when someone asks me to do something, do I, do I always do they either say, man, I, I hope I have an excuse here. Because if I don't have an excuse and I say no, I don't want them to be mad at me. Right? And, and guess what? It's okay to say no. Let's, let's, in fact, let's all say it together. Ready? No. Okay. So some of you are good at that. No. Not doing it. Here's another one. Do, do I do things to be seen by others? Do I do things to be seen by others? Is, is what I put on social media about gaining acceptance and, and how I look? Am I overly concerned with likes on social media? This is a big one, right? Checking my phone, checking Facebook, checking Instagram. How many likes did I get? I didn't get as many likes as last. Why didn't I get as many? Wait, how come this person did like my foot? They liked it last time. Are they mad at me? Is this person mad at me for not liking my? Come on. So this is what I call it. I call it the faux what. Okay, what is faux what? Okay, this is a this is a really scientific thing of this trying to be people pleasing. I call it faux what. It's fear of what others think. Faux what. Now you may think that that's not good, Pastor. I don't like faux what. Guess what? I don't care what you think. No, I'm just teasing. So faux what? This is this is the fear. This is the faux what trap. It, it really what is what is at the root of trying to please others? What is this fear of what others think? What the root of it? Of wanting others' approval, really it's pride. For, for Paul and, and, and being zealous in his Judaism, it really was pride. Paul said that he was the best in his religiosity. He was better than anyone else's age. He was the man. And, and what is it? That's basically just pride. And as funny as it sounds, he took pride in his rule keeping. It, it really had nothing to do with pleasing God. It really was more about how it made him look, not how it made God look. And the problem with this, it's more about him than it was about God. And doing all these things still didn't make him right before God. And this is how pride blinds us. It just blinds us. Pride will say, look at all the things I've done. Look at all that I've given. Look at how I follow these rules. Look how, how better I am than everyone else. And, but behind that, it's just stinky pride. And that's really what it was for Paul. So what changed for Paul from turning into this man pleaser, trying to be better than anyone else? Look at how great I am. Look at how perfect I am. My religiosity. What changed for Paul? What broke, what broke his pride? What changed his mindset from a man pleaser to pleasing Christ? I'll tell you, it's one word. It's grace. That's what changed for Paul. As prideful as Paul was in, in, in doing all these harmful and awful things, that he did against the church, God still saved him by his grace. That's exactly what Paul said. It was by God's grace. This is the message that Christ died for him and his sins. It's the message of forgiveness. It's the message that, that nothing we could ever do could ever make us right before a holy God. So, so how do I overcome this need to gain the approval of others? And this constant need to be validated all the time. This is something that we all struggle with. How do I overcome that? Well, the answer is simply this, the gospel. It's, it's, it's wrapping myself in the gospel message. That's how I overcome this struggle to tr- 
constantly try to find acceptance. It's in the gospel. And I always tell myself, Barden, you know, I've been a, been a Christian since 1982 at the age of 16 years old when I came to Christ as my Lord and Savior. And, and that was a lot of years ago. How many say, yeah, that was a lot of years ago? Some of you are like, 1982, holy cow, that was a lot of years ago. Man, I'm getting old. 52 years old. It's just not getting any better. So, so it's been a lot of years. And, um, but one thing that I've learned is that once I get tired of the gospel message, something is wrong. And I've got to constantly preach the gospel message to myself. Because how many of us know it's so easy for us to veer off on the wrong path? And we get sidetracked on things. And this is exactly what's happening in the church, the church in Galatia. They were just veering off the wrong track. And Paul's veering them back to the gospel. No, 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 no. You've got to stay on this path. I like what Tim Keller says here. He says, no one is so good that they don't need the grace of the gospel, nor so bad that they can't receive the grace of the gospel. Because really, that's the good news. So the gospel replaces our need to please man. So how does the gospel replace the need to please men? Well, what the message of the gospel does in our lives, it gives us this unshakable confidence and fearless ambition to follow Christ and not be concerned with the opinion of man. Think of all the things that Paul gave up in order to follow Christ. I mean, he shipwrecked, left for dead in many cities. He's mocked. He's rebuked. He's not super popular. He gives up all this prestige that he thought he had in his Judaism and his religiosity and how far he took Judaism and how much respect so-called he had from man. And he calls it, you know what he actually calls it? He calls it dung. He goes, oh, my past is just waste. It's just dung. It's just, it's, it's just there's nothing good about it. And so what Paul says is, but in Christ, I have gained everything. I've gained everything here. So what changed for Paul? Well, as Paul writes to those who are being coerced, he add, who adds works to their salvation, he makes his, his defense for the pure gospel by saying, I am not trying to please man. Because if I were trying to please men, I would not be a servant to Christ. So here's how pride is broken. Here's how the pride is broken to try to always please man. Pride is broken through total abandonment to Christ. And, and I, like, I like the word that Paul uses here. He says, he says if, if, if I were still trying to please man in verse 10, he says, if I were still trying to please man, I wouldn't be a servant of Jesus Christ. I, I want to break that word down because this is an important word. Because the word servant there means literally slave. In the Greek, it's the word doulos. And Paul uses this word doulos for a reason. When the word doulos is used, it always, always means slave. See, we think of a servant maybe as someone hired to do something. But this is not the correct context here. What Paul is saying is he's literally a slave. The word means someone who is actually owned. So what Paul is saying here is, 
If I were still trying to please man, I wouldn't be a slave of Jesus Christ. Paul's allegiance is completely in Christ, not the opinions of others. That is not his ambition anymore. His ambition is to completely serve Christ. He understands that he's accepted by God, not by trying to gain his acceptance, but by knowing that he is already accepted by God through Jesus Christ. I don't know, for some of you that grew up playing, playing sports, and my parents always did a pretty good job with me in sports, trying not, you know, trying not to embellish it or trying to make unrealistic goals for me. But they just said, Barton, just do your best and just have fun. They'd always tell me, Barton, just have fun. So if, if I didn't do real well one day, there's, I, I just knew that they loved me. They still accepted me. They, my, their acceptance of me wasn't based on how well I performed. See, Paul, before Christ, his acceptance by God was based all on his performance by what he did, by what he did, by what he did. And that's a dangerous pit that can never be filled. See, here's the thing. I want to hit a home run for God. Not because my acceptance on God depends on that. But I want to because I'm already accepted. I want to please God now in my life because I know that I'm accepted by his grace, not based on my performance. I remember when I was in college, what they would do is you had your student number and you had to go in the student center to get your grades. And what they did was, it was as long as, depending on what the class was, and they had the top grades up on top and the bad grades way down on the bottom. You didn't know whose grades were which, but you knew when they were looking at the sheet where you were measured up in the class, right? So for me, what I would do is when I would walk in, I'd always start at the bottom, so I'm like, I don't want to disappoint myself, right? And then I'd, I'd, I'd slowly go up, and I'm hopefully, okay, good. I, I didn't fail. I didn't get a D. Hopefully I got a C, B. You know, and I would, I would look up, and you could just see the expression on people's face when they would go up, and they would see their grade, and they would look, and some, some people would start, you know, you could just, it was kind of a neat, it would be a great experiment, but some people would start up there, and they could just see their eyes starting to go down, and their countenance would start to go down, right? And they would look. But can you imagine if, if the professor put all the names on there? Now, how many of you know the people that got the A's would be like, hey, I'm up there at the top. Check that out. First in the class. Where are you? Oh, you're down there at number 65. Better luck next time, right? Can you imagine what a failure you would feel like? See, this is how Paul tried to build his life before Christ. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. And so now I already know then I already know I, I got an A in Jesus, right? Then why do we keep going back to try to perform for God by what we do? By what we do. Jesus, you're already accepted in me. Now, I want you to do good works, not because you're trying to perform or trying to gain my acceptance. I want you to do good works now because I already love you. That's Freedom. Somebody say amen. That's freedom. Can you imagine living under that? As I said last week, what happens is we start off in Christianity so well. So pretend this is, this is you. The stool is you. You're free. Jesus has saved me. Some of you have come out of huge addictions. And you're like, man, Christ has saved me. I thank you, Lord. We worship. We thank God. And then someone, someone comes up and saddles up next to you, right? And then they say, 
wait a minute, you're not wearing the right clothes. You're not doing things exactly the right way. And then you think to yourself, well, well, maybe I'm not doing it. And all of a sudden this pressure and this weight comes on you. This freedom and the joy that you had in serving God. Now someone sidles up next to you and starts laying rules on your back. And say, wait, 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 wait. In order to be a Christian, well, you gotta, you got to cut your hair. You can't do this. You can't do that. How many know there, there are definitely things that God doesn't want us to do because it's sin? Amen? Everybody say, duh. Duh. We know that, all right? There are definitely things that we shouldn't do that are sin that's going to lead us in bondage. That's, what not, that's, not what, that's not what I'm talking about. But there's all these rules that we can lay on people in our Christianity. And this is exactly what was happening with this group of believers in this church in Galatia saying, no, 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 you're a Christian, but, but now you've got to follow these dietary laws. You, you, you can't eat bacon. Some of you are like, I'm out. If there's no bacon, I'm out. No Christianity, for, I'm out, okay? Guess what? You're free to eat bacon. It may not be good for your health, but you can eat bacon. Everybody say amen. Okay, be free to eat bacon. But what happens is they can say, you can't do this, you can't do that. These are dietary things. And all of a sudden, it just sucks the joy out of our freedom in Christ. That's not what he calls us to. He doesn't call us to, to, to suck this joy, to do, to do this, to do that other, to try to serve Jesus. So Paul is saying, listen, Jesus is my master. I am completely his and I am not my own. And so the only way that we need to please Christ is not becoming a slave again, but by serving Jesus Christ. So here's where I want to end today. And we're going to end just in a beautiful hymn of the church in Christ alone. But, but here's where, I, here's where I, I want to end today. I remember this story um, where there was this, um, it was a, a district official and, uh, of, of our area churches here. And I, I can't remember, it was, a spe- it was years ago when I first came to the church. And um, it was a special service. I can't remember even what the, spe- I don't know if it was a mortgage burning or uh, I can't even remember what the service was, but I remember this district official came and he was supposed to speak at the service and um, he came and he came to the service and he goes, Pastor Brian, I've got to, I've got to speak to you. Um, he goes, I'm kind of embarrassed. This was a Sunday that he was speaking. He goes, yesterday, my implant and my tooth fell out. So he had no front tooth. So he goes, I'm embarrassed. And I said, listen, brother Grossglass, it's okay. You're in Wayne County. So you're You're good. You're good. No problems here, right? No problems here, okay? And, um, and so some of you may have been here and remember that service. It was years ago. We were in the other sanctuary. And I remember he spoke. And you know what? He could have easily said, you know what? I'm embarrassed. I'm too embarrassed of what other people would think. And he goes, I, I'm just not going to share. I'm going to have so much. But he did. You know what? I never forgot that. <laughs> He's, he's since gone on to be with the Lord. But what I loved about Brother Grossglass is this, is that he didn't allow the opinions of others to keep him from sharing the wonderful, beautiful message of God's message of grace. And that was such a great illustration for me because we can get so caught up and so worried about what other people think. Listen, listen. If we truly love people, then we need to share God's message with them. We can't hide 
behind so we if we truly love people then we got to share God's message of grace with them of freedom and hope we have the greatest message that the world has ever known i was talking with somebody the other day and they were sharing me about this other religious system that when someone dies, you have to go through these things and you have to make sure you do all these things because if you don't do these right things, you don't have certain people pray of you, then the next people in line in your family lineage are all going to go to hell if you don't go through these right steps. And this person was telling me that. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, and I, this, is, this is exactly what I did. I looked at this person. I said, you know what? I am so thankful that my relationship with God and my eternity in hell is not based on me. I'm so thankful that it's based on the grace of Jesus Christ and his death that he already provided for me. And I looked at this person, I said, that's grace. And they looked at me and they said, wow, that's pretty good. It is good because it's good news. That's the gospel message. That's the freedom that God desires us to live in today. That's the message the world needs to know. So where is your identity today? Is it in other people's opinions? Some of you, you're still trying to gain your parents' approval. Some of you today, you're trying to gain your boss's approval, all this other stuff, and it's, it's, just, it's just an empty pit that you can't fill. Jesus says, come to me, all you are just heavy laden. All of you that burdens, come to me, and I will give you rest from all that stuff. So my prayer for you today is that you would find rest in the wonderful message of God's grace. That's the message he wants you to receive today. So as we close um, in song today, I love, I love, I love this wonderful hymn of the church in Christ alone. I want these words to, to just reside in your hearts and your lives today and let the freedom of Christ transform your hearts and lives today. Amen. Shall, shall we sing that together? So let's do that. The band's going to come up. Let, let's stand and let's pray and let's just ask God just to fill our hearts with his grace today. Lord, we want to thank you for your message today of grace. And, and as we stand, as we just proclaimed this wonderful hymn of the church, Lord, I pray for every heart here today that is just in bondage, that's in a prison today of others' opinions and maybe just religion and works. Lord, I just pray you'd set them free through your son, Jesus Christ, that all who come to you are free, will be set free. And I thank you that anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Lord, I just pray for your people today that they would respond to this message and you would change us and transform us. And we thank you, Jesus, that you've already accomplished it for us. And so we thank you for your message today. As we just sing this hymn unto you, God, I pray that it would just transform our hearts knowing that it's in Christ and Christ alone that we find our freedom. So we thank you for this time. We just ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Let's sing this unto the Lord. God bless you.